Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to ESPN's very comfortable Formula One podcast. We are back. I've got my two gurus, as always, Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. Very comfy looking Lawrence Edmondson in his fabulous countryside chateau here in England. We'll explain exactly where Lawrence is. Of course, we are still here during these testing times. Still no action that we expected, but we still got some sort of action that we'll definitely get to later. I suppose we'll just start things off quickly with the latest bit of news um, following up because last time, you know, we heard that everything up to the Monaco Grand Prix was being postponed. Now we know that after Monaco, which was in June, we were expecting Azerbaijan and that's also been postponed. But that was kind of inevitable, guys, because right now at the moment with the you know growing concerns of the spread of coronavirus, we really don't even have the slightest idea of when the season will start, if at all, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's uh, been a number of races postponed, but a lot of those races are planning to go back on the calendar as well. So you have the situation where not only do you have uh, a big gap and potentially the season starting in maybe end of June, probably more likely July or August, but then trying to wedge everything else back in. And at the moment, if I think if anyone who says that they know what it's going to be, or even if F1 are trying to plan internally, they've got to be careful about it because um, no one really knows how this virus is going to develop. We've got some projections and stuff like that, but none of it is certain. And then it's not just a case of, it's not like football where you look at one country and is it going to be in a position where you can start to go and play football matches again? You've got to travel around the world with Formula One and that there's a huge amount of logistics behind that. So it means getting stuff to circuits and to be able to do that, to have no travel restrictions and uh, to be able to get everybody where they need to be is a massive task. So anyone who says right now that they know when the first race is going to be, um, I think is, uh, is, is lying basically. You know, no one can predict it at the moment. Nate, what have you heard? Yeah, I agree with what Lawrence said. And I think I kind of get why F1 said it, but they, just after we had the Australia uh, cancellation debacle, whatever you want to call it, um, last week that we obviously talked about in great detail, um, Chase Carey said he was still optimistic of getting about 18 or 19 races, which, I, you know, I think from his perspective, I think he has to say that. But it seems really optimistic to have actually said that. You know, I, I, I think we're going to be, this isn't just going to, it's not like a click your fingers and this is all okay again situation. And I think that once it is back to some sort of normality, people are going to take a while to to start traveling again. And obviously, Formula One is reliant on travel. So, yeah, just uh, at the moment, I mean, we were we've we've got a group chat on WhatsApp of uh, a few journalists, and we were all talking about the minimum races needed to actually class as a World Championship season. Mm-hmm. There's um, it's always been said it's eight races across three continents, but we were actually trying to work out where in the regulations that actually is. But that seems to be what people are throwing around as the minimum needed. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if we get – it might be that we're talking about a really short season, which I don't think would be a bad thing from a competitive point of view. It might mean someone might actually beat Mercedes and beat Lewis Hamilton <laughs> over eight races instead of uh, over 20 or whatever. So, uh, But, yeah, at the moment, no idea. So we're just going to have to keep uh, doing these on the fly and hoping that we'll talk about it again. Three race season, imagine that. Disapproves in Lewis Hamilton, gasps in Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. But I suppose that is, you know, the thing. And we just wanted to definitely pay that off because it is still news. And at this point, we will take any news that we can get to talk about because we're all just sat at home, self-isolating. Um, we've learned a lot of new things, of course. So I have to ask you guys what you've been up to in your time. As you know, I've realized that you can 
leave deep conditioner in your hair for longer than two days, but it turns into a helmet. Um, and I realized that I could binge watch Drive to Survive in 24 hours. Went to bed at like 4 a.m. one morning watching it, guys. It was, <laughs> it was mental. You would know because I was texting you guys at all hours of the day anyway. Is that both that, series in 24 hours? Both series. That's impressive. That's, that's going to be a record as well. Yeah, we, we, should, we yeah. should find out people write into the podcast on Twitter or whatever if, if you've managed to binge watch both series of Drive to Survive in less than 24 <laughs> hours. That is... Mighty impressive. But what, what did yeah, you think? What, 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 uh, did, did you enjoy it? Was it obviously you did to sit there for 24 <laughs> hours watching it? But, but, um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on it? Oh my goodness, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was perfect because it was good to, I guess, condense the last two seasons in just you know a show. And I, I didn't know a lot. I think probably what stood out to me, and you guys will definitely know because I was talking to you about it, was just seeing the dynamic between drivers because before when I came in I thought somebody was okay knowing that they're the number one and they're quite fine with being the number two or something like say you know Lando Norris is not going to try and upstage Sunday signs or you know you think that Charles Leclerc, Litty Leclerc is not going to try and upstage, upstage you know the big Sebastian Vettel and I thought that they kind of accept that kind of accept being somewhat of a prodigy to a certain extent. But then it was only until the second series that um, they were showing both with Renault and Danny Rick was there and um, Nate's best friend Hulkenberg was there as well. And <laughs> we'll get to that in another podcast because I know you guys have some fun stories too that we will definitely <laughs> recap. Um, and he said just to ask a driver to not take his teammate on or to kind of sit back just goes against everything that they stand for and I could see it as well even with Max Verstappen who's now I realize a little feisty tamale and I like that because I'm a bit of feisty tamale too and it's just so it was interesting to see the dynamic of the drivers and I definitely think that's something I would like to hear from you guys and talk about um, a bit more because clearly it's not as smooth as I thought it once was or the, the roles aren't as clear cut and having people stick to them isn't as easy as I once thought, so I thought that was good. And then I also learned that I need Danny Ricardo to be president of the universe. Hands down, can we start a campaign? Because I'm ready, I'm making posters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you'd have a lot of supporters for that, actually, if you, if you started that as a campaign. Lando Norris is his vice president. I think those two would be a good, oh. uh, good running tandem. Um, yeah, I think, I think we said, um, I think that, that whole topic is fascinating. And um, I think we've already said, haven't we, we'll, we'll, we'll dedicate an entire podcast to that. But I think Lawrence and I have probably spent several of our car journeys in and out of circuits at points talking about, you know, which team lineup looks the most likely to kind of explode into civil war. Renault last year was quite interesting because Hulkenberg kind of left mm. or knew he was leaving before the end of the season, which always changes it. There's always, you know, Hamilton Rosberg was fascinating as well. So, yeah, it's always, that's always actually a really good story in Formula One, especially when you have two competitive teammates. We saw that with Leclerc and Vettel last year. And obviously, you can say what you want in meetings, you know, don't hit each other. But when they're actually fighting for the same bit of tarmac, the, the one person they don't want to give it up to is their teammate. So I think it, it really is interesting. And um, yeah, it really adds to uh, championship fights when we have it. Yeah, I think I think the drama of it was, was quite good. And like you said, once they go out there, just listening to a lot of them talk, it seemed that, their biggest rival was actually the person in the same car as them, wearing the same colors as them and not necessarily 
say like the Lewis Hamilton or whatnot. That's the obvious one, but you know, it's, it was quite, it's quite interesting because you see how it does work as well. I felt like, you know, the, the understanding or from what I saw, what was depicted in the series with like Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas as well and at Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes seemed like obviously the benchmark. That's what you're aiming to. It seemed all perfect happy days, even though sometimes it wasn't, but it was interesting to see the dynamic of the others. And obviously everyone has personality traits that can clash with your teammates, but it is definitely not as clear cut as I once thought it was. So I look forward to that podcast where we can delve in and I can hear all these stories. Cause I know you guys have hinted at some experiences you have had. And I've been like, Ooh, sips tea. <laughs> but, um, other than that, that's what I've been up to. What have you guys um, been up to? Because I know we did also, this is a perfect segue to get into the fact that we kind of did get some action this weekend, slightly, virtually, I suppose. You guys could definitely open up a bit more on that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So this was the first massive weekend of F1 eSports. Uh, there was a little bit over the Australian Grand Prix weekend, uh, a couple of unofficial uh, kind of game gaming kind of groups and uh, outlets kind of put together races. Um, but this was the first one uh, hosted by Formula One. Uh, so it was a virtual Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, and it was actually pretty entertaining. I'm not a fan of watching other people play computer games. I'm not really a huge fan of computer games anymore. But yeah, I've never really understood this obsession with watching other people. However, if you have personalities in there that you can uh, link with, that you can connect with, it actually becomes pretty interesting. So um, for me, the, the, the main thing to watch uh, on Sunday's uh, race was Lando Norris and his individual Twitch feed, because there you can see exactly what he's up to. And the great thing was is that he wasn't actually in the game for half of it. He missed qualifying with Lando connection Bart. problems. And I, I, yeah, and then Lando Bot came in. So he, they had a uh, basically a computer AI driving for him for the first eight laps of the race before he finally got to take over. But part of the fun of it was watching him kind of, or somebody around him trying to wrestle with the IT and the computer stuff, him trying to keep his, uh, his uh, watches entertained. He had 100,000 people watching uh, they then encouraged him to phone up various other members of the paddock. So he called up Max Verstappen. He called up Alex Albon, George Russell, um, Zach Brown. He stopped short of Lewis Hamilton. I think he kind of felt that maybe his relationship wasn't quite there to, uh, to Bob Lewis on a Sunday night. Well, he said, but he said, um, then, oh yeah, Lewis, Lewis would love that, wouldn't he? If I called him, <laughs> I think he, I think maybe, maybe, maybe there's a story there. Maybe he's tried to call him before during a, during a Twitch feed or something. But hey, he's got he's got to build up to something, right? So maybe for yeah. the next race, we're only one race into this E series of races. So actually, on, on how many? Yeah, how many do you think that they'll end up having, or is there a plan? Have you heard oh. anything? Will it just be for all the races that we've been, all the Grand Prix that we've been expecting? That's it. So at the moment, they they are planning to just uh, replace the uh, races that exist. So uh, obviously the next one would have been in Vietnam, which is a problem because there's no Vietnam Grand Prix on the game they're playing, which is F1 2019. So they're going to use Australia because uh, also they didn't have an Australia one because that was the same weekend that F1 was trying to get stuff together. There was another race that went on that was on the Australia track, but F1 itself didn't do it. So they will go through and they'll uh, go through the whole season uh, racing at these tracks as long as they can. I think as long as the interest is there. Um, I guess the question is that the novelty was certainly there watching it for the first time, but then after a while, does it start to get um, a little bit dull or do we all just massively get into it and, and, and really lap it up? So we'll have to see. I think the key to it from now is that a few more drivers join. Uh, when Lando Norris did call up Alex Albon on the phone, it was actually after the race. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounded like he pretty much convinced Alex to, to join in. So that would be good. 
Uh, I think one of the problems a lot of the drivers are having is that you need a PC set up and they all want the steering wheel set up and all this kind of stuff. And at this time, it's not easy to just bring that in if you don't have it. The other problem is that some of the drivers are a bit worried that they're going to be shown up, but they're not that quick. So Max is used to racing on our factor, I think, which is a completely different game, not the official F1 one. And he doesn't like the idea of going around at the back of the grid uh, in uh, off the pace because he hasn't had the time to, to get used to it. So hopefully they'll all spend the next two weeks uh, kind of setting up gaming rigs, getting involved, and then maybe we'll get a few more actual F1 drivers on the grid uh, for the Vietnam slash Australian E Grand Prix or whatever it's called. Nate, what did you think of it all? Because I was quite buzzing for it because I said at least we'll have something to watch. And I mean, anything with Lando Norris is going to be entertaining. But I made the mistake, of course, watching the feed on television first. And as Lawrence said, I said, this kind of feels like when I was, I would, you know, he was younger and I'd watch all my brothers play video games and I'd be like, is it my turn yet? Is it my turn yet? You kind of want to just get involved. But then, you know, tuning into Lando's Twitch feed, and the drama of him not being able to be in there. And then Lando Bot taking him straight to like podium until he came back and then that dream disintegrated. But uh, I thought it was definitely, definitely something funny. Yeah, it was really entertaining. And I think the strength of esports is that you can just do anything you want. So you had Johnny Herbert in the race who at the start just went straight over turn one and then was leading from, I think it started like 12th or 14th or something. So it was, you know, you're like, how, and, and because they don't have, they don't do replays you kind of, sometimes someone just appears. You're like, oh, what, like, what's he doing here? I don't know whether they can change that because it's not really part of the game You know, when you watch a game like that. But I thought it was, I, it was entertaining. And I think watching it with Lando's Twitch was important because, as Lawrence said, it was super entertaining. And actually, um, I think everyone can really learn a lot from that and maybe incorporate it into how they package races and stuff like that. Um, but the, the, the craziest thing for me was I was looking through Twitter about a few hours beforehand and they got Liam Payne involved the old one directioner who has about I think he's got, yeah like 32 million followers on twitter and he was just like yeah all oh, right and and he was he was compared to the rest he was absolutely useless but at least he was there you know he was like a lap down about three laps in but you, you know you can still say hey we had this guy from one direction in and at the weekend as well there was the the f1 race was on was the last thing on sunday but we also had uh veloce esports mm. who had courtois Paul, uh, Ian Poulter, the golfer. Um, so you had these kind of these in, the, in this other one. There's all these other sports stars kind of getting involved and having a go. John Newman has since tweeted. The, the singer has since tweeted F1 saying, "Hey, I want to get involved." So that I think is going to be the strength of esports is that anyone can get involved. And actually, they're kind of playing up the fact that you don't have to be a hardcore gamer to play it. The key is to come and have fun, and they can change the settings of the car, obviously. So if you're, I mean, I'm hopeless at. I can't, I still struggle with the manual gears and stuff sometimes just because I'm not, I'm not used to doing it on the control, on a controller. Um, so when I sit in a simulated rig, I just can't, I can't do it the same. Um, but that would be fine because they're just, I guess they just set me to automatic settings, you know, or whatever. So you'd still be able to take part in the same way. So there was a great story actually just, um, sorry, I've been talking a little while, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap oh, up. But Anthony, you have all the Anthony, time in the world. <laughs> um, Anthony Davidson was in the Veloce Esports one and, he was racing around and he was saying he was having all these epic battles up front with um, Ian Poulter and Courtois. Mm. But then it turned out that he'd actually been kicked out of the ma- the other lobby at the start of the game. So he was actually just racing a bunch of AIs and he was getting really competitive and like shouting at them and all this stuff. So when he finished the game, he was like, oh, uh, Ian Poulter finished third. I think was the, <laughs> obviously he was just in a different, he'd just been put in a different game. So there's stuff like that that's just kind of, and Lando Bart as well, as you said, which is just oh. kind of, 
kind of fun and it's and and we all grew up with games as well so i think we kind of appreciate that sometimes you just see ridiculous things happen so yeah it was fun and um we'll see if it we'll see if the novelty wears off but hundred thousand on twitch is super impressive for for lando and it's basically a guy just sitting in a chair calling people that was what people were watching so well not calling just any random person he's calling some some pretty cool names of course there and i know we were i mean apart from lewis who obviously who wouldn't want to hear from lewis um was you know people would have been expecting but he did have some other pretty cool calls so i just wanted to ask you guys you know did you learn anything from his calls did he provide any little insights or what was your favorite because i know he had a couple couple of good ones as well i learned that lando norris doesn't have daniel ricardo's phone number which i thought was crazy right because they're like he's like a a, a mini danny rick yeah he's well uh, yeah I, I thought, in Australia. I really and and also i don't know whether carlos signs is just is, is wasn't able to convey the joke properly, but it sounded like Carlos Sainz didn't know who Lando Norris was when he called him. And I don't know whether, and so he was like, who, who is this? I don't know. I couldn't tell if he was having a joke or not. And I think Lando couldn't either, but that was kind of, that was kind of funny. And just little things like that, but you see the, the relationship between them and stuff like that. Lawrence, what about you? No, yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was just cool to, to see um, drivers interacting on a level which we don't really get to see because we usually see them in a media session. And I think even Lando's voice, I mean, you mentioned this as well, Alexis, uh, Lando's voice when he talks to the media is actually different to how it is when he's on Twitch. And, yeah. you know, the kind of the screaming and the stuff like that. And what I want to know is that, is he actually like that when he's in a race car as well, like screaming and kind of like, you know, head in hat, well, obviously not head in hands, but, you know, kind of all that emotion that comes out when he's playing video games. Is that the same uh, when he's in a car and it made it made me think well what we should do is just have constant open mics in the car as well for broadcast purposes so you get the actual reaction when somebody flies past or pulls a move on someone the actual reaction that comes out rather than what we get which is basically team to um car radio which yeah. involves a press of a button and all that kind of stuff so wouldn't that be great if we had that actual reaction but there it is on esports you do get that you get to see Lando kind of cradling his head in his place as like the whole connection dies again for like another five minutes. Um, so stuff like that uh, is, is very cool. It's a nice little insight into personalities. And uh, yeah, like we talked about um, Drive to Survive earlier, that's the real key to that is that you see a little bit more of the personality. You see a little bit more underneath uh, the kind of veneer that the PR people try and slap on top of these drivers. You know, there's real people underneath all that. So seeing a bit of that is fantastic. And uh yeah, that'll be um, one plus side if we get more of that, uh, of, of these kind of, you know, uh, uh, online races and uh, non-real races. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the best. When you've got personalities like Danny, Rick and Lando Norris, you definitely want to see that side. It's almost like the, the stop mics in cricket, um, even though I know that's that's sometimes had to force the cricketers to curb their language, so to speak. So we'll see if that ever happens. But that was great to see that side. Um I think of their personality and I suppose now I'm looking forward to the next one, even though at first I said, what am I going to sit here watching a bunch of people play video games for an entire hour or however long it took. But then Lando bot brought it back, man. I think Lando bot should be an actual participant. I think they should find yeah. a way to just make Lando Norris still play and Lando bot there because Lando bot was flying. <laughs> yeah. Lando bot, Lando was my new favorite F1 driver. Yeah. Lando Bot and then Sunday Science and Ricardo. Oh, Danny Rick. Gaston Lewis again, mate.
And then what about the race itself? What did you guys think? Because, I mean, it is something for us to analyze, and you are the pros that I know it was – I thought it was interesting. I know there was more than one race. I turned into the Bahrain GP one. And um, it was interesting how Lando also was talking about calling up, you know, friends and, and other drivers as well and just other members of F1 that um, were actually giving him tips that almost, to me, sounded like actual – tips that you would take out there if you were to even get in a real car and I was like good god just when I was ready to go out buy the game and everything myself because you know what do I have to lose we just have all the time in the world and see if I could expense it um (laughs) I was like wow these actually sound like tips that I would take if I were driving a real car yeah it's kind of I was just trying to remember who actually won the race but of course it was Renault's um one their kind of yeah. junior drivers, uh, Guan Yu Zhou. And so um, th- that was the funny thing about it, though, is that you talk about it as like, you know, we should analyze this race. In reality, what is there to, what is there to analyze? Because one there were the directions. There were analysts. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are, but like, really, it's, um, we found like the, the key things from it and what we ended up writing about was not actually what happened in the race, apart from Johnny Herbert at the first corner, because that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, there wasn't a huge amount to take from it in that regard. So that's why I wonder kind of like how long is the shelf life on this kind of stuff, you know, until people yeah. get bored or certainly people like me get bored. But, um, I know there's a whole load of people out there that love this and I'm not going to try and like have a dig at it because, you know, there's good reasons they like it. But, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, as a, as a kind of actual sporting and racing spectacle, um, there's not a huge amount that really kind of relates to real life F1. You know, even if you go into the details of that game, the setups are all kind of like, you know, fairly basic stuff. You know, it's not entirely in line with reality, even though they make it, you know, as kind of realistic as they possibly can do. But um, I think the main thing that's missing, obviously, is pulling five Gs through a corner or something like that. You know, you can't simulate that. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit sceptical about it, but it was uh, it's certainly a good way to kind of fill, fill a bit of time. Uh, and we've got lots of it at the moment. So, yeah, I'm that we do indeed all right well that was that i suppose i guess we'll see how long this does the novelty of it does last we've got all the time in the world now that's for sure and i've got all these emails that still keep coming in but um i suppose we know what lando norris was up to at the very least but there are other you know drivers too that we like to check in on every now and again and i mean one that we've said his name a gazillion times already um we'll start with the the probably more serious one of the two and that's of course lewis hamilton that's now um been in self-isolation uh Nate what was the what was the latest on that one yeah so there was speculation about Lewis because he'd been at an event with Idris Alba um a couple of uh the week before the Australian Grand Prix and Idris Alba the following week tested positive for coronavirus so Lewis came out and said doesn't have the symptoms um but has been self-isolating anyway um and then on Instagram today he he um posted an update basically Kind of, it was a, one of these Lewis ones that kind of there's a lot in it, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff and there's also some very reflective stuff on what the world is. But he said it's very, I think he said, um, totally irresponsible and selfish of people to not be self-isolating right now. And it just made me think about what we spoke about after Australia when obviously he'd been the voice of reason before that race saying, why are we here? Why are we going ahead with it? And I just, I, I like that about Lewis is that he's, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he just kind of, if he thinks something, he says it. And I know he's not everyone's favorite driver, but I think you have to appreciate that he's one of the few drivers. We spoke about it on the pod. He's one of the few drivers that actually will go against the party line and say what he's thinking. Um, and I think that's a real, it's a really, really valuable thing. 
for Formula One. So it was just an, another kind of reinforcement of that Lewis's character. And um, I was joking to somebody on our ESPN news desk. Hopefully, he posts something every other day because it's it's keeping us <laughs> it's keeping the drip alive for F1 news at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Somebody else I think can keep um, everything alive or everybody alive with entertainment is Danny Rick. We should just have a Danny Rick segment and this will be it because I, well, I learned that he has a farm in Australia now. And even then you'd think, gosh, if I'm isolated on a farm, literally away from everybody, but I suppose you've got all the animals too. How am I going to be entertaining? I should have never even questioned him because does he even have a non-entertaining bone in his body? <laughs> is it is is it his farm? I'm, I'm, or is it his parents? I'm confused. I think it's his, like, it's his parents' farm. Okay, parents' farm. Yeah. Yeah, but what's what's mine is yours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Nate is the expert. He's written the book on Daniel Ricciardo quite literally. So um, yeah, I, I assume yeah. he'd have an answer for it. But no, it's great, isn't it? And um, again, <laughs> I think it's that element of uh, personality that you don't see necessarily during a season. And there's right. Danny Rick out there. Yeah, there we go. Look at me providing. He's, he's doing his, he's doing his, that's it. He's doing that. <laughs> I was, and, and also, I love that he's dressed like that on a farm while doing that kind of work as well. Fantastic. <laughs> anyone, anyone wondering what we're talking about, go on his Instagram and check out. I think it's one of his, I think it's his most recent post. Very entertaining. I can shamefully say that I didn't follow him until last week when I binge watched Drive to Survive. It's basically the Danny Rick show in season one. I um, yeah and, yeah he came out of it really well. I'm ashamed to say that I didn't follow him, but now that I followed him, it's been probably like what four days or so or five days, and nothing <laughs> short <laughs> of amazing. I'm ready to to make him president of the universe with Lando Norris's vice. <laughs> what about the the <laughs> other drivers? Have you guys kept an eye on any of them to see what they've been up to? Uh, varies a bit. I've watched a bit of Esteban Ocon. He's also doing um, another real big uh, gamer. So he's been set up. He's got a rig and all of his like pass helmets and a Fernando Alonso helmet kind of up in this room. And he's there playing. And he literally just puts the camera behind the seat and you just watch him play uh, play along uh, on on Instagram Live. So there's um, there's a lot of that going on at the moment. Uh, I think there's another number of drivers who just kind of staying quiet someone like Sebastian Vettel isn't on social media so uh, and he actually I think likes uh, time with his family and separating from uh, all of the nonsense that goes along with F1 and the media and talking to people like us so um, I mean I'm sure he, he would much rather be racing right now but um, I suspect he's kind of having some fun in Switzerland uh, we saw Kimi Raikkonen uh, doing the um, the what's, what's the official name for the toilet paper challenge stay at home challenge yeah the stay the at home keep challenge up to, <laughs> yeah, so so Kimi Räikkönen did that, and you could tell this is someone that had not really played football when he was younger, but he was still remarkably good at it. His like legs are all over the place, uh, kind of <laughs> keeping this toilet paper up. So that was quite impressive. Um, Nate, what have you seen? Because that, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, those are the ones I've been I can think of. I think a lot of them, a lot of the guys have been who haven't been um, on Instagram is because they've not been doing any gaming online. I feel like that's one of the main things we see now. Um, they're either talking to each other, and like Lawrence said, Ocon has been one of them. Um, I think uh, Nicholas Latifi was one of the guys who got involved, and it's quite cool when you see guys in there set up with their whole rig and everything, because they don't really look that they don't always look that comfortable in it. And you think this yeah, is your job, pedals, right? Yeah, yeah, 
That's what I was trying. I was asking you, Lawrence, to explain it to me because I saw Lando's on on uh, just on the side of his Twitch. I was like, "What is that other screen for?" And then I only noticed through his swaggerific socks. Of course, he would have swaggy socks. I'm gonna up my sock game because of it. I've got some yellow ones here, inspired by Lando Norris. But um, I was like, "Whoa! This you see, this is even next level. There's actual pedals involved. The whole rig." Yeah, and that pedal camera as well, which is remarkable. So. <laughs> I guess it's just that thing, isn't it? It's like these are the things you can show uh, when it's uh, when it's a kind of gaming rig like that. You know, you can't. We well, do have some um, like footage of drivers actually in a real car with a pe- pedal box, and you can see it, but not in an F1 car because it's right down at the end of the nose, pitch black. So um, stuff like that's quite cool because you get to see the level of skill. And I was surprised, like when I play on games, which again isn't very often, I always just slam the accelerator on and hope for the best. And he's there like finessing it, kind of, you know, coming out of corners. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you just realise there is actually a genuine level of skill um, on top of this. And that's what makes a difference between guys like me who play with traction control on and about five seconds off the pace and someone like Lando Bolt who, you know, goes and tears it up. I think we should get a rig for Nate because I feel like Nate would master this now. I, well, I think you're the only person who thinks that, Alexis. I, I'm really, I'm really not good at. I'm really bad at gaming. I'm really, really not good at it. Um, we could try though. We could try. We'll see. I'll work on yeah. it. Maybe that's my challenge for the year: is to get into one of these races and compete. I was going to say because now points. that that you were saying that it seems like they could open it up to obviously everyone and probably more journalists and stuff too. You know, I'm going to be campaigning for you too gonna be like get nate and his rosy cheeks on there now <laughs> all right well it'll be even we... rosier when we're playing it'll be even rosier but i'll i'll be there yeah. like i'll provide you with like drinks or something lawrence and i will be there as like a support system sure. in f1 crew i mean lawrence was saying that we have to at least get me out so it'll be such a gutting thing to know that i can't go to one race for this entire year after now i'm all built up for it so at least you in a race could be my first race <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> if you had to, if you had to, which one, which Grand Prix or which course would you want to go on? Debut one. My, my first race would be Monza because you just turn right, left, and then you hold the accelerator and then left, right, and then there's not many corners on that. So I'd start there and then work up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Singapore's at the very end. Singapore and Monaco at the very end. Just in terms of difficulty. Not in terms yeah, of enjoyment. I was going to wonder if you'd start with Monaco. I know it's difficult, um, but it's the glitz and glamour of Monaco. Yeah. You want, you know. but the, glitz, the glitz and glamour doesn't count if it's in a game, though, because it's not, <laughs> it's not real life. So that kind of... I could bring, like, some... Oh, no, because we'll be social distancing. Yeah. Via via satellite and video chat, I could bring, like, some celebrities and models, cardboard cutouts, and I could, like, <laughs> flash lights so it looks kind of like paparazzi just to give you the feel of Monaco, as if I've ever even been. Lawrence would know what to do better. <laughs> oh, I think it's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm all up for this. Like, Richard, just let Nate get into an uh, online game and then try and put him off in every way possible. Um, I was going to say Paul Ricard's a good one to do uh, first off because it's just runoff area. It's all runoff. So you can do the Johnny Herbert approach and just like straight line the whole first sector and uh, no one's going to stop you. But um, yeah, we're, we're, there's only one way to find this out. We've got to, got to get Nate involved. Pedal camera, the whole works. Oh, 100% pedal camera. We have pedal to camera. We have I, to I, see. Oh, wow, that'd be, that'd be bad. You, you'll need to wear matching socks that day. That's any dancer. 
only I've got matching socks on today. I've got matching socks on today. We should have a sock game. We should ask Lando to show us his sock game. Because it was very strong, might I add. I got a lot of time for socks. <laughs> well, that just made me sound like a sock nerd. I think now it's time for Lawrence to get nerdy. Our official main event. Event, the main, main event. event of this podcast. Lawrence gets nerdy. We had the jingle, but you know, technical issues right now because we're video chatting. But we'll find a way to work it in. Until then, way to go, way to go, Lucy. I know. <laughs> Just throwing our producer under the bus right there. It's okay, Lucy. We still love you. Um, to be fair, it's a, I think people have to wait for this now. It's a good thing because it is actually a really, really good uh, sound. That. I think it it calls on both of our voices, but also the the one and only Chris Medland as well as kind of the backing track to Lawrence gets nerdy from his appearance on the podcast in Spain. So F1 fans, Lawrence Evans fans, and Chris Medlin fans, there's something for everyone. Something for everyone. Oh, we can't. For now, I guess we'll just have to, like, ad-lib it, just like, Lawrence gets nerdy. Boom. That was my dance for it. I'm overcompensating with a dance. But it is Lawrence gets nerdy time, and it is probably the most perfect topic because it's something that I've wanted explaining, and I know a lot of people have wanted explaining, and that, of course, Lawrence... Is the rule change just exactly what it is, what it was supposed to be, what the delay in it is going to be now? Because we do, we officially do know that it is not going to come into effect come next season. Now they'll have to wait again for 2021 because of, of course, this um, coronavirus just, you know, messing up the season so far. So just let us know exactly where you want to start. I guess the most simple way to start would be what were the rule changes? Well, with that build-up, I'm feeling an awful lot of pressure here, and I'm <laughs> not sure where to start. Um, okay, so, yeah, you, you probably read recently that the 2021 regulations, as they've been known until now, uh, have been delayed, so they are now the 2022 regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite a big deal in Formula 1, because those regulations were designed essentially to um, tear up the rule book a little bit, uh, We've got these cars at the moment that aren't that easy to race with. They create a lot of what we call dirty air, which is basically the aerodynamics of the car mash the air up to push it into the ground, which is what all those wings are there to do. But what they leave is a wake of turbulent air behind them, and uh, that creates problems for the car behind. So uh, we've had this problem in Formula 1 for a long time that you have these incredibly fast cars because they have these remarkable aerodynamic packages on them. But the very nature of that means that they aren't that great to race. So F1 went back to the drawing board and they applied some real kind of science to it. They went and looked uh, in wind tunnels. They um, did a lot of simulations. They worked with the teams. They got teams to simulate certain little bits because um, the best simulators in the world for understanding how a car disturbs air are the ones that belong to the teams. So they got the teams involved and they came up with this um, new set of regulations, uh, which is basically a new set of uh, boxes almost. It's one of the best ways to think about it, boxes in which the designers can draw and design these new cars and create downforce. Uh, but the limitations of those boxes means that there's no way to create uh, or you can't create quite the same amount of turbulent air that you used to be able to. And it was all pushed up and over the car following rather than going straight into it uh, as we have now. So there was a huge amount of work. This was really um, the big project of Liberty Media, which took over Formula One at the start of 2017, to try and turn this sport that they had purchased into uh, what they wanted to call the greatest racing spectacle on earth and all this kind of stuff. So they were really pushing for that. And uh, it was all lined up for 2021. 
the regulations were signed off. They weren't quite perfect. There were still some little tweaks going on, but they were pretty much signed off. And then obviously the events of the last uh, month or so happened and uh, they've decided that they're going to postpone it by a whole year. Um, main reason for that is money. Uh, the teams at the moment, um, those that are still going to the factories um, are probably going to be doing it much longer due to government regulations. F1's also uh, taken what they usually have as a summer break where the factories have to shut down so people can go on holiday. And they've brought that forward and added a week. So there's three weeks off in terms of uh, factory work. Um, so you have all of that and the fact that budget-wise, the teams don't really know where they stand going into the future because they're not racing right now. And racing is how Formula One makes money. It's uh, the circuit from, uh, sorry, the money from the circuits, the money from the TV companies. And if we have a race uh, championship of, say, eight races, like we were talking about earlier, that's not going to generate the same amount of money as a, uh, a championship of 22. So the idea is that the teams, rather than forcing them into um, designing this brand new car for next year and putting all that pressure on them and all the costs that goes with it, uh, they're going to um, delay that a year and we're actually going to stick with pretty much the cars we have now for two years. Uh, the plan, as far as I know at the moment, is still to have two separate championships, so it's not going to be one big long championship, although some people have been talking about that. Um, but uh, the, the idea is that you keep the same car and in doing that, you save a huge amount of money that would go into developing it uh, and so that's where we are right now. So a real shame that the, these regulations that I think everyone was looking forward to, uh, maybe not some of the designers because they felt they were very restrictive, but certainly fans were looking forward to it and the cars were going to look pretty cool from what we'd seen. All of that is delayed another year, but, you know, in the current climate, these kind of things, you know, aren't really the biggest concern uh, for uh, Formula One or the rest of the world, but uh, that's what's happened. So at the moment we're... Um, we're hopefully going racing at the end of this year, but then we're keeping the same chassis uh, going into the following year. Nate, are you that's, bummed out? That's that that put it perfectly for me. I'm all up to speed now. Yeah, that's <laughs> Last year we were talking about the car specifics, but we'll get there. <laughs> it, it's a good yeah. segment, isn't it? I think Lawrence nailed it. Um, no, I think Lawrence covered it perfectly. Like the the main thing here is safeguarding the teams, especially the teams of the the lower end of the grid, you know, if you're Haas or you're Williams or, you know, you're one of these teams that is really trying to make ends meet, it's Williams. so important. Yeah, yeah. It's so important to keep them, to keep them kind of financially viable, I guess. Um, I'm not sure people are going to be that thrilled about the frozen, the, the chassis being the same next year. If we do get races this year and it turns out Mercedes is the best car, because that will probably mean, I don't think it'll be completely locked in, but it will probably mean that the team to be again for, for another season. But this, this is actually safeguarding the long-term future of Formula One in this current climate. So it had to be done. Um, we just have to wait. And maybe, maybe it means we get some, a bit more clarity on those. Some people weren't quite sure how good they'd be, but it, I guess it means they've got more time to research them and maybe iron out some other details around it. So, um, positive thing to do. The, the other factor, um, which I didn't mention, which is part of the original 2021 package, uh, is the financial regulations as well. So that's a budget cap. Yeah, the budget cap. Um, yeah, which we've talked about, I think, a few times on this podcast before, but not going into great detail. And essentially, uh, the idea of that was to limit team spending on the car to 175 million a year uh, dollars. Um, now, that's still quite a lot of money. That's still actually more than the majority of the teams spend on the development of their car each year. But the idea was to peg back Ferrari, uh, Mercedes and Red Bull, especially, who all spend kind of overall budgets upward of kind of 350 400 million dollars uh so 
this budget cap doesn't cover everything. So things like driver salaries, uh, the salaries of the uh, top three um, kind of best paid members of the team, uh, marketing, because we still want to promote this sport. Uh, all of that stuff falls outside of uh, this budget cap. But when it comes to uh, designing the car and all this kind of stuff, um, that is uh, is all within this budget cap. Now, that was due to come in in 2021, and they're going to stick with it. Uh, again, obviously, the main reason for that is to save money. Um, and uh, But the, the interesting thing is, is that there was some concern that we would go into this new set of technical regulations uh, in originally in 2021 with the top teams being able to spend uh, endless money in 2020 anyway. Uh, and then this would create a locked-in kind of um, performance advantage for the top three teams. So by delaying the technical regulations till 2022, but still bringing in the financial regulations in 2021, the hope is that maybe you kind of balance that out a bit. All the teams get that little bit of extra time to spend on uh, on the 2022 car now. Uh, they, and um, the top teams are prevented next year from going crazy with their budgets. Of course, they can still go crazy with their budgets right now. And no doubt those that are actually able to work in their factories will be doing that because that's still the long-term gain. You know, this year's chassis, uh, they've already tested it. It's already locked in. And now they know it's locked in for two years. So I think even now, um, as, as we develop this year, uh, if we get racing again this year, a lot of focus will still be on what will be 2022. But it does kind of even out a bit. So th- it's a whole other side to the regulations, brand new for Formula One. Uh, I think incredibly important uh, long-term that it kind of creates more of a level playing field. Uh, we've always had the situation where the top teams just spend their way to success. So there's some hope that that uh, brings it back as well. But um, it will be interesting to see how that develops next year. Um, it will also be interesting to see which teams can hit 175 million in terms of spending on the car because uh, there's not many uh, on the grid that can do that. Man, after watching Drive to Survive as well, Williams, I just, I'm thinking of them this entire time that you've just been talking and I'm like, goodness, at least it does. I mean, because that's the only way, well, not the only way, but that's probably a major way that we can even see somewhat of a level playing field for the season. Because I remember, Nate, when we went to uh, McLaren's launch and, you know, I was asking Zach Brown as well, he said, look, there is no shame in trying to aim for like fifth or fourth again because at the moment they just accept the reality that there's no way on God's green earth right now that they can compete with that top three. So is is this like a surefire way that we can actually maybe see them do it now? I think it... <clears throat> It's definitely going to make things easier. And the thing is, as well, is that some teams still won't spend that a year, but it means that the the ceiling for the top teams is much lower. Mm. So the idea being, I guess, that, that gap, they just can't walk away with it. And at the moment, we have that annoying situation where the top three teams are basically racing themselves and then the rest are just fighting in their little midfield battle. So hopefully that goes away. And it's really telling, isn't it, when a team like McLaren, I think we've said this before, but a team like McLaren is saying that you know our target is fourth, same with Renault. Team with all this history in Formula One is great, proud. These two great, um, proud Formula F1 champions, you know, they're aiming for fourth and fifth every season. So that kind of needs to change because it's not, I don't think it's a great look, but hopefully with an extra year as well. And like Lawrence said, with the over, with the overlap between the budget cap coming in and then the regulations, that might make quite a difference. And the, the other side to this for the top teams when the budget cap comes in is that they're actually going to have to reduce staff numbers. You know, they, they, all of a sudden jobs uh, aren't going to exist anymore that once did. I mean, a perfect example of that uh, is the gearbox regulations, which are now going to be delayed to 2022. But they're talking about keeping the, you know, the same gearbox um, for several years now. So uh, if 
if that comes in, all those engineers you previously had who were designing gearboxes um, all of a sudden aren't really that kind of necessary anymore in, in the team, which is a strange situation. So what you're seeing a lot of uh, the top teams do, um, well, Ferrari have always had the road car side, so they've always had uh, places to place engineers uh, outside of the F1 team and then bring them back in because the two projects are, are fairly aligned. Okay, even Ferrari road cars aren't quite like a Formula 1 car, but there is uh, some some parallels there. And then there's uh, things like Red Bull, um, uh, I think it's the Applied Technologies or... Um, uh, basically, Red Bull have a program as well, which is um, uh, which kind of research other things. Um, McLaren have one of those, and Mercedes now have one of those with Ineos as well. And uh, it's quite interesting as well. Uh, Red Bull have already talked about how uh, going back to the current coronavirus crisis, one of the things uh, those engineers are doing uh, right now is actually working on designing ventilators that can be put into hospitals and save people's lives. And you get, start to get an understanding that, you know, these, uh, these teams are not just about kind of putting cars on track and making them go fast. You know, there's some real world, uh, developments you can get out of it. And funny enough, uh, to go back to my original point, these 2021 regulations, uh, we'll actually see, I think, a number of engineers start to work in different areas with it, still within the Formula One teams, but, uh, doing different contracts in different parts of the world. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the, the current situation where these teams are, I think they're still at, the moment at the stage of uh, analyzing what they can do rather than committing to it. But um, I know ProDrive as well have been on the news uh, talking about ventilators they're producing. ProDrive, a company that exists in a number of motorsport series and um, a lot of F1 teams have kind of have had links with in terms of engineers moving from ProDrive to uh, UK-based teams. So there's this whole other side to it, which is um, which is really quite fascinating. And we, the, the budget cap is bad because it, Stop, you know, means teams have got to get rid of some of those top engineers. But at the same time, if we can put those brilliant brains into doing stuff uh, like like what they're doing at the moment, then uh, that, that's quite a good message for Formula One as well. Well, that was a perfectly positive note to end on, Lawrence. That's just been <laughs> Lawrence guessing nerdy. <laughs> We're gonna featuring, have to featuring Nate and Alexis at, at points, but literally. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's welcome. You know, I, I don't yeah, want to monopolize yeah. this section. You know, you're welcome to get that. It'd be good that maybe eventually we can start um, taking questions from people then, and maybe they can ask Lawrence to expand on on I'm sure many little gray areas that are there for sure. Because I know that would be that'd be pretty cool. I've learned a lot already. I'm better. I'm better now, Lawrence. After I've just listened to you, <laughs> but that was a good. Episode. Well, was I'm fun. glad that's the case. <laughs> my, my concern would be I would finish and there's just more questions they're like what was that all about but if there are yeah send them in again uh, Twitter kind of tweet a CSPNF1 um, or whatever your kind of social media of choice uh, send us messages and uh, we'll try and answer them on the next podcast because we need we need stuff to talk about as well yeah I think we definitely do need some stuff to talk about although we have we're not going to give away any ideas just yet on what we're working on but I think we do have at least one or two more podcasts that um that are setting up to be fun from just, you know, our regular conversations that have now developed into ideas. And I'm looking forward to them because, like I said, I really now want to pick your brains on so many stories, especially Nate. He knows exactly the one I'm, t- I'm talking about, <laughs> too. He knows exactly what he told me as well. Yeah, I'm gonna pull I, wish I, to- I, wish, I wish I hadn't told you now because I'm going to have to tell the story. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very brilliant moment. It was a very... um. Well, I'm gutted it didn't it didn't make it on the Netflix series. This this interaction I had with a certain driver 
it, it's still I still think about it sometimes. And the Netflix cameras were right there looking, so I don't know why they cut it out, but it was um yeah, it, was, it was interesting. Yeah. It was it was um it was very, very interesting indeed. So I know we could definitely eventually get there as well as talking about, you know, other stuff that we've we've come up with. So I guess that's it then for today, guys. It's been a brilliant one. What else are you working on or aiming to work on, I guess, in the next week until we until we meet again over video chat? Well, Lawrence and I, um, there's one thing we're working on that is, I guess, kind of fun. We're, we're pretending we've got a, uh, a time-traveling machine, and we're, we're doing a what-if. Is, is, we've done this before with Kubica and with Alonso, but we're going to imagine what F1 would have looked like if Hamilton hadn't gone to Mercedes in 2013, which was which was quite, you know, it nearly happened like that. It was a an odd move for him to make at the time, and everyone criticised it. Everyone second guessed it. It's obviously turned out very very well for him. But just kind of imagining different scenarios that might have happened had he had he not done that, who would have who would have picked up the championships? We might be talking about Rosberg being a multiple world champion. We might be talking about Alonso still there, you know, winning and everyone bored of him winning all those races. So that's something we're working on um, ongoing. Lawrence, you've got some um, insight into Ferrari, which sounds really interesting from the trip there, right? Yeah, so this was from the time when uh, it was still okay to cross borders and travel and uh, move around. Uh, and I was down in uh, Maranello for the launch and I got there a little bit early. And um, I've been reading a very good book, uh, Richard Williams' biography of Enzo Ferrari. So I had to go and tick off a few of the uh, locations for that so I'm going to be writing up um, a piece about kind of uh, some of the history of Enzo Ferrari and uh, what happened to some of the uh, kind of really important uh, buildings and locations in Ferrari's history so uh, it's been a little bit of a project of mine for a while so uh, now I've got a bit more time to sit down and write it and research it so um, yeah that will be coming to ESPN.com in the in the near future. And we wait with bated breath for that piece. <laughs> Or at least I do, because everything you guys do is homework for me. So, and, I, and I'm definitely into it now. Unfortunately, that we don't have any action, but actual action. But hey, you know, we'll see what the esports world brings up, throws out there for us as well. And we'll continue developing our ideas um, for these podcasts, because I do think we're onto some pretty, pretty exciting ones. But in the meantime, thanks, guys. I was going to say go forth and have a great afternoon, meaning probably make another cup of tea and just move to your couch. <laughs> As many of us have done, I'll probably rewatch Drive to Survive again just to get, but I'm going to look into that entire rig for Nate Saunders because he's going to be the Lewis Hamilton of EA Sports when we're done with him. Oh man, that's, you can't, you can't bill me as that. Come on. <laughs> Well, the, oh, you got you got the forty four in the background there already lined exactly. up. I mean, it's gum from forty four, but use as inspiration. Use as inspiration. For yeah, I feel like anyone who Great. sees this video is going to think it's a Lewis thing, but it's actually Forrest Gump's number from University of Alabama. Obviously, nice. in the film, I know he's not a real life man. I'd <laughs> be funny if someone was like, "Doesn't he know that he's not really?" I just thought it was a really good documentary on his life. You know, he met the president a few times. You know, he met Kennedy, he met Nixon, he met all those people. Great. Oh, it's such a, it is such a good film, though. It's such a good film. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with me for a bit. I look forward to hanging out with you again. I'm bombarding you with all the questions that I now have. And thanks to everyone that's listening. And stay tuned because I promise we will definitely have some more exciting stuff coming up on ESPN's F1 podcast. Bye.